Good morning, Greater All. There are a number of things going on this week. Are you aware of them all? Sydney mentioned that first of all, we have a handful, a bunch, whatever you want to call it, of middle schoolers heading to church camp this week. <clears throat> Very exciting times. I wish I could still go to church camp. I cannot. Uh, there's something else going on this week. What is it? VBS. VBS, Vacation Bible School for the younger kids. Uh, I don't know what the ages are, up, up to grade 5, is that right? Up to grade 5, and that's from 9 till 11? 11.30. Okay, Monday through Friday of this week. And uh, if you got some spare time and want to help out, I'm sure they would love to have you there. Seems like there's something else I was going to mention. Uh, what was it? Oh well, I forgot. We uh, have been talking about looking at the book of Proverbs here. Tim started this series several weeks ago, and it's called Foolproof. The book of Proverbs talks about how to be wise, and it also says how to recognize a fool. And uh, characteristics of both. And if you want to foolproof your life, meaning don't not be a fool, you really need to look at the book of Proverbs and take it very seriously. And look at yourself that way. And uh, anyway, I have been asked to speak today on and, the, and next week about what the book of Proverbs has to say about judging. Okay? Now, it's kind of interesting this morning. Uh, I'm going to start out talking about how judging is rampant in our world today. But this, And just to illustrate that, this morning we're coming to church and we're driving down, I think it's Center Street over here, and our niece is with us and she says... That guy's clothes don't match. And I said, What guy? That guy cutting his lawn. His clothes don't match. And I said, Oh, so people are supposed to have their clothes match before, you know, to cut their grass? She says, Yes. People will drive by and judge them in their mind. Didn't say how she would judge him. I know that's not exact, but that's the general gist of it, right? But guys, judging is everywhere. Okay, I entitled this lesson, Don't Judge Me, and I got that from my daughter and her friends several years ago. They would be talking amongst themselves, and one of them would, you know, I don't know, they'd point and one of them would be eating something, they'd say, that's got a lot of calories, and they'd say, don't judge me. You know, meaning, keep to yourself, don't tell me what I'm, what you think I'm doing wrong, or even give me any input. And they were just having fun with it. But guys, there really is a sense of that. Even though the world is rampant with judging, there is also this idea that people don't like being judged. Do you like being judged? And worse than being judged is being judged unfairly or inaccurately. Okay? And with as rampant as the judging is that's going on in our world today, it's fair to say there's a whole bunch of incorrect, false, bad judgment going on. And guys, I think that's just the truth. It's a problem. I mean, how many, you, you look at any social media, you look at the, the, the meet, the news period, you look at any kind of interview, especially if there's somebody from one school of thought interviewing somebody from another school of thought. You can just tell from their questions that they've already made a judgment about this individual and they're trying to get them to expose themselves. 
Have you seen this? And it, it, it's just, it's very interesting, but it's also sad. You see, guys, a lot of the judging that goes in our world is what I call it litmus test judging. And it's where, you know, litmus test is something they use, I believe, in chemistry. And it's a little, what's it tell for? Acid base or whatever. It's a little strip of paper and they dip in something and it tells them something. And it's a simple test. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do a chemical analysis. You don't have to break down the ingredients or the, the, the molecules that, are, that make up this subject. It tells them what they want to know. And, and the world we live in is that way. And uh, I, I've been telling people a lot this lately, or talking about it a lot, that when I grew up, and the, the word racist wasn't used a lot. Racism wasn't talked about a lot when I grew up, at least not in my circles. It existed. But the word racism or racist was reserved for Nazis. Okay, Hitler. It was reserved for the Ku Klux Klan. And then the group that evolved in what in my mind was the 1980s is the neo-Nazis. Okay, that was that. The word that was used to describe tension or a dislike for, or, or however you want to put it, was the word prejudice. And that was where, you know, people were, I was never considered, or never, never considered asking or saying somebody is racist. I might say they're prejudiced. And specifically with regards to their, their, their attitude towards African Americans. That was the way I heard it primarily used. As I grew older, I learned that prejudice doesn't just apply to the racists. Okay, it applies to all kinds of things. In today's world, it's again very rampant. Let me give you an example. Okay? I am old. Most of you know I turned 60 two weeks ago. I'm officially old. Okay? Some people might judge me as being out of touch. Okay? I am white. That's simple fact. Some people judge me as racist. I have been referred to as racist or making racist comments before, which I don't believe is, is, is true. Uh, I'm a business owner. So there are some people who, who prejudice me as guilty, or I mean as greedy. I am a male, a man. Some people, therefore, will prejudge me as misogynistic, as having a dislike, or the word means a hatred. For women. Not true. I lack a bachelor's degree. So some people would judge me as uneducated. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. So some people judge me, prejudge me as hateful. And guys, you can go on and on. I think if you open your eyes, if you haven't thought about it already, it is very easy to do. Prejudice is when you simply look at someone or a group of people, and you make a very broad judgment about them on a very small amount of information, i.e. the color of their skin. You know, I heard that growing up, about black people are all on welfare. That's not true. was not true then. Okay, and you can go on and on with this. You make a simple judgment. Like I just said, you look at me, I'm old. You hear I'm a business owner. You see me talk about it. You make a judgment. I talk about Jesus. You make a judgment. And guys, that's what, what, what prejudice is. And guys, I, I think as, 
came to view very clearly during the pandemic, did it not? How many people were judged by whether they wore a mask or did not wear a mask? Okay, and the, and the wide range of judgments, not that you wear a mask, but that you wear that mask driving alone in your car. And they made judgments about that individual. The person that walks into the grocery store without any mask. They make a judgment. They may make a judgment about their politics. They make a judgment about their thought process. They make a judgment about their values. And then what did it go on to from there? Vaccines. Right? Have you had the vaccine? If you have not had the vaccine, what does that mean? You are an anti-vaxxer. You're a conspiracy theorist. If you have had the vaccine and you're lined up to get the vaccine and you're encouraging everybody and expecting everybody to get it, you're a sheep. You're just following the crowd. You see what I'm saying, guys? The judging was, is, is, very, is very real. And I realized that during the pandemic, I, I, thought, I think I've done pretty well at this. Just in all honesty, I feel I've been drilling down on this topic and, and recognizing how judgmental I can be. And recognizing the difference between a judgmental thought and pronouncing judgment on someone. And we'll get to that next week. And I felt like it was very good. But when that pandemic hit, oh, I was tempted to judge. And it was was all of a sudden because God was revealing to me, hey, you you got some more growing to do, Gary. Okay? You have lots of opportunities to look at a situation and go, I'm not going to judge that. I wish I could tell you how well I did on my scorecard, but I don't have... I got one of those apps for our phone, by the way, or our car, that tells you how well you're driving. Yeah. I don't have one of those for how well I'm doing judging. Uh, but guys, there, there's, there's all kinds of examples. You know, climate change and the environment. Okay? We have never been one to separate our trash at the chapel house. Okay, a daughter came home from college and she's encouraging this. She's wanting to do this, all this. And I had to sit her down and say, honey, I have refused more bags. I started refusing plastic bags in 1988. I mean, seriously, I saw all the the bags along 255 blown up against the fence. And I go, the only thing I can do about that is to stop taking them. I called myself a lazy recycler. And I, I went through, I can show you items that I have had and refused to throw out and I've repurposed them. There's a toolbox that's in the back of my truck right now that has uh, the equipment that are, are for kayaking. We're going on a kayaking trip at the end of July and I've got it in my truck already. I'm preparing for the trip. And this toolbox I bought in 1994. It's a Rubbermaid toolbox. It's a high quality box. I bought it for work. I actually have two of them. When they're not in the truck, they sit out back. I repurpose things, but I don't separate my trash. Why? Ninety percent of the plastic never gets recycled. It ends up in the, in the in the landfill. I believe I am doing more for the environment by the choices I make than I would be by simply separating my my trash. But yet, if somebody hears this, somebody judges me. Where I stand, they may even judge where he stands on climate change, where I am politically, which is nowhere, by the way. Uh, and, you, and you can go on and on and on. It seems like, and I believe it's in, displayed in society today, 
that we have this inborn desire to categorize people into groups which we either agree with or disagree with. And this is the norm in our world today, and it should not be the norm for a follower of Jesus. Okay, I believe with all my heart that as followers of Jesus, we need to be true lights in this world. We need to be truly different. And I'm not talking about uh, protesting, unless your protest is the way you live your life. Refusing to judge. Uh, and we'll get into this. I say refusing to judge, refusing to judge poorly. Now I got a question for y'all. Part of the reason I got on this lesson was because in April of 21, 26 months ago, I spoke for two weeks on this subject. Okay? I did not use a single verse from the book of Proverbs, but I did speak on it. I would like to know, is there anybody that remembers anything I said? Any of my points? No? Nothing? Wow. I'd say it's a letdown, but I really expected this. Don't judge. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Uh, so I figured somebody would be quick to look it up on the website and start spitting out all the points. Um, no, guys, I, I spoke on this, and I spoke from Matthew chapter 7. And if you notice, there's three verses in your notes right away. And let's read this. And this is what Jesus has to say about judging. Uh, that lesson that I spoke on in, in April of 2021 was entitled, The Most Neglected and Abused Command of Jesus. And I was talking about this here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And he went on to talk about that for a few more verses that we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but you know it, guys. How many times have you heard the statement that a Christian is not supposed to judge? Based on this, Jesus said, do not judge. Is that what Jesus is saying here? No. He's saying we need to be careful how we judge. We need to be careful the standard we use because that's how God's going to judge us. He goes on in, in, in John chapter 7, verse 24. He tells uh, the folks he's talking to, he says, stop judging by mere appearances but instead judge correctly. See, if you believe that first verse says we're not supposed to judge, here Jesus is contradicting himself saying, judge correctly. And then in Luke 12 and verse 57, he says, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? You see, guys, there's three things that Jesus recognizes. They want to talk about real quick before we get into the Proverbs. The first thing is that I will make judgments. Jesus expects you to make judgments. He expects that as part of life. Okay? So the idea of don't judge doesn't exist. It does tell us in the book of 1 Corinthians that we are to judge those inside the church, not outside the church. Okay? We're not to be leading protests about people living sinful lives 
lies, moral lives that we disagree with outside the church. Let them do their thing. Our focus should be on us. Okay? But you need to understand, guys, that making judgments is a part of our design and purpose. I talk about this a lot. Genesis chapter 1. We are made in the image of God, which means we are made to image God. We are to represent Him in this world. Guess what? God is a judge. We are to make judgments. Okay, but we're to represent Him in our judgments. He's telling us to be aware and evaluate the standards I use when I judge. Number two, after Jesus recognizes that I'm going to make judgments, he recognizes I am prone to judge incorrectly. He recognizes that y'all going to make a mistake. See, guys, Jesus would rather I not judge than to judge incorrectly. Third thing, guys, is that Jesus recognizes that I need encouragement and direction to judge correctly. If I'm left to my own, I've already illustrated this. Okay, I'm going to make... Has anybody made any wrong judgments on somebody? You saw something going on and you thought this, and then you found out you were completely wrong? Uh, Dr. Stephen Covey, the guy that wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, he tells a story, heard him tell the story on, on a cassette tape. Remember those? And he told this story about some people being on a sub, or I was a subway or a bus, and there's his father with four children, younger children, and the kids were just running crazy. And just irritating everybody and running crazy, and the dad just seemed completely oblivious to the fact that this was going on. You been there? You seen this? Okay. And he says, finally somebody spoke up and said, sir, can you not control these kids? Do you not see what's going on here? And they're, they're bothering everybody. They're, they're irritating everybody. Now you can assume they're, they're judging him as, you know, hey, look, you're a bad dad. Hey, why don't you get with it? Hey, do you not consider other people? And he says, yeah, I, I know. He says, we just came from the hospital and their mother died. And he says, I don't know what to do. And they don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden people went from being irritated and annoyed to gathering around and helping. And you see, guys, we need encouragement and direction to judge correctly because we make such wrong judgments sometimes. So we want to talk about what, is, what direction does God give me to judge correctly? And we're going to look almost entirely at the book of Proverbs. Thank you, Tim. And so let's go through this. The first thing, first set of direction God gives me to judge correctly is that I need to see myself as God sees me. The rest of the verses from Matthew chapter 7, after Jesus talked about not judging and uh, we're going to be judged by the same measure, this is what he says. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see guys, Jesus' instructions here are to judge, my, I need to judge myself first. 
I need to be able to see myself the way God sees me and to judge myself accordingly. You need to understand, guys, that not seeing things correctly about ourselves leads to judging others incorrectly. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It prevents godliness. It prevents an accurate representation of God. Now let's jump into the Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and He examines all your paths. Then in verse chapter 21, verse 2, He says, A person may think their ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Let me ask you, how often do you ask God to examine your ways? I mean, literally, David talked about this in Psalms where he says, Ex- examine me. Test me, he says, and let me know of any offensive way in, in me. How often do you take that position before God? You see, because he sees everything. Okay, how many times have you considered, you know, this looks right, but I don't, I'm I'm afraid of being deceived. Because that's what this proverb is talking about. A person may think their ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Guys, God wants us to see us the way He sees us. And that's, that's the first thing we look at here, guys, is that that's what we want to do. Um, God has examined and it continues to examine all my ways and to judge my motivation. And I, guys, I need to be asking Jesus, asking God to see myself as He sees me. That's the first thing. I was, uh, does anybody ever have parts of the Bible you look at and you read and you, you uh you look over it or you've discounted I'll be honest you know maybe you've told been told somebody interprets it incorrectly or uses it incorrectly or abuses it and so you just stay away from it okay and for me just being honest here the lord's prayer was kind of this way i was you know I was taught that there's some churches that take that and they just memorize it and they all say it together and it means nothing I've been in those environments and I look at it and it just, it just doesn't even feel like it. And whenever I would say it, it just didn't do anything for me. So I stayed away from it. I mean, I've heard lessons on it, heard good lessons on it, gleaned a few things from it. I mean, especially this, uh, this part about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, that, that's impacted me because I want God's kingdom to be here on earth like it is in heaven. But guys, the second part of the verse, I was, I was watching a YouTube video on this. In fact, our, in fact, our small group watched part of this. And then the second part, of the first part is about God. You know, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second part is, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. Right? I'm paraphrasing. But you get it. And then the speaker, it was Dr. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, and he says, 
we say, forgive us our debts. He said, but what probably goes on in our mind is forgive me my debts. Okay, not forgive us, meaning the church, meaning those in your small group, those around us, as we forgive. And it was just amazing to me once again the way I have a focus on me instead of having a focus on us as the church. And you see, guys, that was one of those situations where God's going, "Uh uh-uh, Gary, let me show you something. I want to show you what you're doing. So, guys, that's the first thing when it comes to judging correctly. The second thing, guys, is to confess my mistakes and shortcomings. After I seek to see myself as God does, even asking Him to show me, then I'm going to see my sins. And where my ways differ from His ways. That's what it is. Well, my way seems right. But there's something more to it. I'm missing. And God's judging me. He's exposing it to me. One proverb here, and this one, very powerful. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Guys, confession is simply agreeing with God. And after he, you've asked Him to show Him how He sees you, we need to acknowledge the difference. We need to acknowledge where we differ from Him, where, where my ways differ from His ways. Now, very important, very significant. You want to confess this? Acknowledge this to your friends, to your family. You're free to do that. You're not required to do that. Okay, James does talk about that. If you want some healing, you may need to be involved in that. To me, I find it just simple, easy. If I'm going to acknowledge it before God, I need to acknowledge it before people. Third thing that I need to do if I'm going to judge correctly is I will purify my motives. Purify my motives. There's a question. You've probably heard it asked uh, multiple times. I know I've asked it before here. But which are you more interested in? Being right or being righteous? You've heard it before, right? I mean, who likes being wrong? Correct? And I think all of us have this natural defensiveness built in when somebody challenges us, when somebody presents a different thought, and we feel, even though they're, they're not attacking us, we feel like we're being told we're wrong because a different idea is being presented, and we need to be defensive. Okay, and that just shows our motive. We're, we're looking to, to be right. We're looking to look right. And I gotta, gotta feel that that's a lot of what goes on in politics today and people's political views is they just want to be right. They want to be on the right side. They think this, the ideology is the right one. This political viewpoint is the right one. And they want to be there and they want to tell everybody else they're wrong. 
See guys, righteousness or being righteous is being godly. It simply means I am representing God accurately. You see, he goes, let me ask you another question. I know this doesn't apply to everybody because not everybody does these things. But if righteousness is your goal, is righteousness your goal when you make your Facebook posts? Or your Twitter tweet? Or your Instagram post? Okay? Is righteousness your goal? Or are you simply trying to be right? Okay? Uh, look at these two passages here. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 9 says, The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but He loves those who pursue righteousness. Then in chapter 12 and verse 28 says, In the way of righteousness there is life. Along that path is immortality. Guys, going to be honest with you? And again, challenge to me, challenge to me. I, I've come up with lots of ways to describe myself in the last 15 years. You know, I gem, generally don't use the word Christian, uh, especially when I'm speaking with somebody new. I describe myself as a follower of Christ, as a follower of Jesus. I describe myself as a person of faith. And I put that faith in Jesus. Righteousness is not a word that I use a lot. No, I think I communicate that in other ways. Like I tell, I've described myself as I just want to be a good and faithful servant. Okay? They're all ways of saying the same thing. But I'm asking you, how do you identify yourself? You see, the world is going to categorize you. They are going to try very hard to categorize you. Politically or otherwise. Now the question is, what label do you use to describe yourself? What do you lead with? If you meet somebody for the first time, what do you want them to know about you? I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, I'm, I'm liberal, I'm conservative. Yes, Frank, I, I think you're right. I agree completely. He says he thinks righteous would be a good way to describe yourself. Okay, to lead with. We met some new neighbors this week, or I did. Uh, and uh, I guess Susan and I did a week and a half ago. We met the new neighbors. We've had three sets of neighbors move into our neighborhood in the last six months. There's only ten houses in the neighborhood. And, you know, I was taking note of what they lead with. What they lead with. How they identify themselves very quickly in the conversation. They want you to know what they're about. Okay, years ago I had a neighbor, I met him, and he's talking, and he's being polite. He's like, what do you like to do in your free time? You know, and I, like, well, I do this and I do that, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and you can tell he's being polite. Because what does he want me to do? He wants me to ask him the same question. He does, and I figured it out. I'm not usually smart like that. I figured it out, and I go, what do you like to do? He says, I play golf. He says, I'm in the league. I play three mornings a week with my friends. I can't get enough of golf. How do you identify yourself? What do you lead with? Your hobby? This is what I do. I'm a hunter. I'm a fisherman. I crochet. 
Do you lead with where you are politically? Do you lead with, this is what I do for a living? How eager are you to let someone know that you're a follower of Jesus? How eager are you? See, because guys, lots of things follow. You don't have to lead with that. You don't have to be like, here you go, this is who I am. But how easy does it come out? How easy does it come out? Because I think there's lots of opportunity to say, look, I, I just see things differently because things are influenced by my faith. You see, guys, a lot of times when we choose a label for ourselves, there's a lot of things that follow. Um, years ago, I was, okay, a avid listener of Rush Limbaugh. Okay, this is going back to the 90s. Listen to him every day. Don't know how long it took, but I figured something out. When something happened in the world and Rush decided to talk about it, I knew what position Rush was going to take. You know, I can't imagine if you go back to the 90s, him being a fan of, of Donald Trump. But once Donald Trump became the nominee for president, I knew where Rush was going to be at. You see, guys, that's what happens to us. When we choose a label for ourselves, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, we typically line up behind everything that group believes and everything that group stands for. And we don't question. But when we're pursuing righteousness, when we're becoming a follower of Jesus, Jesus doesn't... How do I say this? Jesus doesn't line up with either party. Is that fair? He doesn't. You know, you guys, you, you look at a topic. Let me just give you one example. This is one example. I've been working real hard to go at both sides here. Okay? But there's one example that just stands out to me very, very, very plainly because of what it is. And it's, it's a hot topic. It's the illegal immigration topic. You know? And it's the whole idea. It, it's illegal. Correct? It's illegal. That's what it says. I don't think if Jesus were here, he'd be harping on it's illegal. I think he might tell us, hey, I brought some folks into the country that need some help. I think he might say, hey, remember how you don't want to go to Mexico to share me with these people? I brought them to you. Does that make sense? It's still illegal. But guess what? No matter what I do about it, no matter what I say on either side of it, I have no influence. I didn't decide whether that wall was going to be built or start being built. I didn't decide that that wall was going to stop being built. I had zero influence on that. And I don't know. God hasn't put illegal immigrants in my path. But if they, he does put them in my path, I'm not going to call family services or, what is it, immigration. I'm not going to do that. Because I'm more interested in being righteous than being right. I can be right according to the law. I may be even right. They're illegal. But how do I be righteous with this illegal? So guys, as a follower of Jesus, my motive can be scri- described in many ways. 
But I'm asking you guys, how do you want yours described? You see, and I guess, guys, especially when it comes to politics, this is what it says, Proverbs 14, 12, it says there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Last thing, if I'm going to judge correctly, I need to accept God's judgment of me. What? What's that all about? Well, we already talked about seeing myself the way God sees me, and that involves His judgment. But let's dig a little bit deeper on it. Proverbs 21, 2, we've already read this. It says, a person may think their ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. What's your response when God shows you your heart's in the wrong place? What's your response to that? Do you accept it? Do you change? How quickly do you change? You see, guys, God knows my motive in everything I do. But I don't stand in constant fear of Him pronouncing judgment upon me. And I know it's because of the blood of Jesus. But guys, God is a God of patience. He judges very slowly. In the Old Testament, there was a group of people, I want to say it's the Amorites, I could be wrong about this. And God says, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to pronounce judgment on them because... They're basically, their evil hasn't got to its peak yet. They haven't reached its full measure. 400 years later, he wiped them out. 400 years. That's patient. You see, guys, I need to understand that God is patient with me. Does anybody else feel like they should have been thumped in the head and wiped off the planet years ago? Honestly. The way I lived my life, and a lot of it was what I thought was following Jesus. And I was wrong about things. And this judging thing is part of that. But that's not the way God treated me. And I see the fruit of His patience in my life. Guys, look at this last passage in Romans chapter 2, and I'll finish up. It says, since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? next week we're going to be talking about how we judge others and there's two big things there one is what's our motive as we just already talked about because one of the things i talked about two and a half years ago when i spoke about this is it's not a matter just to be able to judge somebody you know back to the guy with the speck and the log you know the guy with the logs trying to help the guy with the speck and jesus says first take the speck out of your eye then you can see what to judge more accurately to pronounce the judgment and declare how right you are to Him. Is that what it says? What it says, then you can see to help Him. You've got to look at what your motive is. Why? Because I need to judge like God does. Does anybody 
see anything that another Christian's doing wrong right now? Don't look around. Don't look around. You do. Alright? I do. We do. Why? Because we're human. And every one of us falls short. Every one of us has a sinful nature. Every one of us has blind spots that we don't see. And you see, it's not a matter of being able to judge and go, boom! My work here is done. It's a matter of helping a fellow believer the way God has helped you. He's done that through patience. What does that mean? That means you see somebody else who's having a problem, who's having a struggle, and maybe they don't see it. Maybe they're resisting, acknowledging it. And it's going to take time. And you need to remember and acknowledge and accept the way God's judged you so that you can judge somebody else correctly. Guys, I love it. I thank God all the time for Him not thumping me in the head and wiping me off the planet. I'm just telling you guys, I don't deserve the patience that He has exercised with me. I don't. But my position needs to be to accept that and to give that same kind of patience to others in my judging. Guys, next week we're going to continue talking about looking at Proverbs and how to be foolproof and how to correct, be correct in our judgment of others. That's what you want to hear, don't it? Let's pray and we'll be done for the day, alrighty? Father, it is so good to be your child. It is so good to see you accurately. And Father, it's even better to see myself accurately so that I have a chance to change. Father, judging is rampant in this world today. And I believe the solution for your, for your believers, and all I mean by solution is the response that as, as believers we should have is that we learn to judge ourselves accurately. That, Father, we learn to see where we fall short and we learn to respond correctly to it. Father, that enables us. We can't help somebody else. Father, you expect us to judge, but you want us to judge correctly and for the right reason. Father, I pray you open our eyes. Father, I pray right now is my prayer that every individual here and every individual that hears this can just choose to say, God, show me me. Show me how you see me. And Father, to fully understand your patience. To feel overwhelmed with the love that you show through that patience or that is behind that patience. And to give it to you. Father, we thank you. And it's in Jesus we bring this all before you. Amen. With his own